Thank you for joining me for today's Beast Watch News Update. News from the Internet's most comprehensive Bible prophecy news website, BeastWatchNews.com. I'm Kimberly Rogers Brown. In the news this week, the feasts. Kog Sameach. I hope to be in Jerusalem for the feast starting this week. We'll be joining Pete Rambo, Yahweh willing, for cleanup in the streets of Jerusalem before the start of Sukkot, which is why we're going so early. Also, Pete and I will do the Jerusalem Old City tour while we are there. This year in Jerusalem. And now, let's have a talk about what is going on in the very important spiritual realm, which is where the news is generated. As you know, there is opposition from both Jews and Christians to the Hebrew Roots movement. Hebrew Roots is a new sect, only about three decades old, that stands between two religious worlds, those of Christianity and Judaism. We are neither Christian or Jewish, but some people cannot stand for long in this place of no identity. Some come into the movement, then go back to the church. Others boot scoot right through the movement into Judaism. The two Judeo-Christian religions have divided Israel between them, each taking authority over various important doctrines of Scripture. Christianity's big claim to authority begins with redefining the Sabbath from Friday evening to Saturday evening to Sunday. Believers who submit to Catholic authority over the redefinition of the Sabbath also submit to the church's redefinition of various other laws of the Torah, including Yahweh's dietary laws and our king's appointed times, the feasts. Christianity does not want the food or the feasts. Judaism, however, does. Judaism has expanded the dietary laws and made rabbinic decrees about the feasts, namely that going to Jerusalem as Yahweh commands is not required right now. Over the years, I have wondered how Hebrew Roots teachers arrived at the doctrine that going to the feasts in Jerusalem is not required right now and discovered the ism from a long time before Christians began to agree with it. I have asked Jewish people about the feasts, why Jews prefer to leave Israel for the feasts or stay where they are instead of going to Jerusalem. One answer provided by a Jewish friend was that the rabbis say going to Jerusalem for the feasts is not necessary. Her answer made me shake my head because this is a prevalent doctrine within Hebrew roots too. Then one day the impact of this doctrine hit me square in the intellect. Just as people who submit to the Sunday day of worship have submitted themselves to Catholic authority, people who reject Jerusalem for the feasts are submitted to rabbinic authority. The upshot of this insight is that the way to make the distinction between both religions and Hebrew roots 
is to defy them both. Keep the Sabbath and the biblical dietary laws to avoid being Christian and go to the feasts in Jerusalem to avoid falling under Jewish rabbinic law. Paul's message to the congregations was about this subject, separating the requirements of Jewish religion that burdensome leaven of the Pharisees that Yeshua warned us about away from the returnees from the house of Israel and the Gentiles who are with them. It is not for the house of Israel to take up anything Jewish. Our requirements are much simpler. Keep all of the commandments just as they appear in their simplest form. These include the Friday evening to Saturday evening Sabbath, the biblical dietary laws, the interpersonal relationship laws, those toward God and our brethren, and the feasts in the place and in the way Yahweh commanded as much as possible. The book of Deuteronomy says we are to do his commandments with all of our hearts when we have figured out that it's time to come home. Deuteronomy 30 verses 1 to 3. When all these things happen to you, both the blessings and the curses that I've presented to you, and you take them seriously in all the nations where the Lord your God will deport you, and when you, you and your descendants, that is, will have returned to him and obeyed all the commands that I'm giving you today with all your heart and soul. Then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and will show compassion to you. He will gather you from among the peoples where he has scattered you. This means that we in the house of Israel who are returning are to obey as much as we can. We are not to try to determine if the commandments, any of them, pertain to us through interpretation. Interpreting the commandments that way means that we believe that God may have changed his mind. If he changed his mind about any of the commandments, then we need to be concerned about our salvation too. This is not because we get salvation by keeping the commandments, but because that kind of thinking opens the way for God to change his mind about anything, including whether or not he wants us in his kingdom. And by the way, why would he want us if we're not willing to be obedient during the lifetime that he has given us to show him that we're willing? No, the commandments need no interpretation. They are for our obedience. Yahweh does not need our vote or opinion regarding them. But this takes heart, a heart for obedience and submission, complete submission to Yahweh, our sovereign king and highest authority. Many Hebrew roots believers approach the commandments as suggestions. The feast commandments are often regarded as 
invitations to be decided upon, not as kingly edicts to be obeyed. Were these same people to refuse to appear before the king of any country in earlier times, they would likely lose all their land and holdings and possibly their heads. Yet our brethren believe they have the right to tell Yahweh no when it comes to attending the feasts in Jerusalem. Commandments are not doctrines. They are rules to live by in God's kingdom. So we get this lifetime to prepare to do that and to show him that we will indeed be loyal subjects in his kingdom. There are, however, doctrinal issues that do need interpretation. So we must search out the false doctrines in Christianity as we leave its authority and in Judaism so that we don't fall prey to its lies. We must determine what is correct and true doctrine and what is not. One doctrine the church has correct is that Yeshua is the Messiah that died that horrible bloody death on the cross and resurrected so that the house of Israel could come back from the dead to be reunited with the house of Judah. But the house of Judah, the Jews, rejected Yeshua's endeavor even before he went to the cross. After his ascension, the apostles' new converts were rejected at the Jerusalem temple, and the apostles were persecuted and wrongly accused of blasphemy for obeying Yeshua's commandment to bring back the lost sheep. The anti-House of Israel Jewish backlash created the gradual formation of an anti-House of Judah religion, Christianity. Whereas the Jews held on to and expanded their grip around their people to restrict Jewish contact with believers from the House of Israel, Christian developed antithetical doctrines against Scripture. An example of this is Judaism's food laws that require separation of meat and dairy. This is a Jewish development, likely from the period just after the 70 AD diaspora. The intent of this particular doctrine was most likely to further separate the house of Israel away from the Jews. Jewish laws are designed to create an exclusive culture that cannot be entered into without conversion to the Judaism system. According to the Torah, anyone may become a ger, a convert from being a Gentile to becoming a Hebrew. The Torah provides for equality between the Hebrews and the ger. However, Judaism excludes those who are Hebrews but not practicing Judaism. For Jews, it is not enough for one to confess loyalty to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and become a Hebrew that way. No, the Jews demand one bind himself with their laws and submit to illegal rabbinic authority. 
Rabbinic authority is just as illegal as Catholic authority. The last 2,000 years have seen a seesaw of Jewish and Christian conversion campaigns. The Jews are known for mass conversion at various times in history. The Christians followed suit with its own mass conversion agenda, the biggest of which was the Inquisition. This was a big net into which was trapped all who did not belong to the Catholic Church, including Jews, who were forcibly converted, as the Jews had done to various people groups before the advent of Christianity, and as they are doing now. Yeshua had something to say about the Jewish conversion agenda. Matthew 23:15. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you travel over sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Forasmuch as there is opposition between Jews and Christians, there are areas where Judaism and Christianity meet and agree. The Jews teach that Israel, the land of Abraham, is their inheritance. Christianity agreed and adopted the doctrine of heaven as Christian believers' eternal inheritance. Judaism put their fence around all the food and dietary laws. Christianity agreed and adopted the eat-anything-you-want doctrine. Judaism teaches that Christians are Gentiles and, therefore, are not required to keep any of the Torah's laws, replacing the Torah with Noahide laws. Christianity agreed and decided that only those laws specifically mentioned in the New Testament apply to their people. Judaism teaches that Jerusalem is their inheritance alone, and to keep Christians out, the Jews teach their people that attending the feasts in Jerusalem is not required at this time. Christians agreed and developed their own feasts, Christmas and Easter. The last doctrinal obedience frontier in Hebrew roots is to stand firm between the two religions to declare that Yahweh does not have a religion, but that he is our king with full right of sovereignty in our lives, and his commands are our desire. We keep the Sabbath because this is Yahweh's mark. We reject Judaism's hold on the dietary laws and keep them as biblically prescribed. And we defy the Jews about us traveling to Jerusalem for the feasts. Furthermore, Israel is not the Jews' inheritance alone. We demand our right to inherit Abraham's promised land along with our Jewish cousins and reject that we only inherit some nebulous subjective idea of heaven. Furthermore, Abraham is not the first Jew. He is the first Hebrew and we are Hebrews, not Gentiles. The Torah 
is our inheritance as well as the temple, its services, the priesthood, the adoption, and the glory, and the covenants, and the promises, according to Romans 9.4. This inheritance includes Jerusalem and our right to attend the feasts in the place of Yahweh's name. The feasts are not an option. The feasts being held in just any place we please is not an option either. Jerusalem belongs to us and to prove it we must defy both the Jews and the Christians and go there for the feasts. Otherwise we are submitting to both Jewish and Christian authority. Because these two religions have carved up and divided Yahweh's scriptures and his people's inheritance between them. Until we, as a people, decide to defy the religions of man, we will not satisfy our king Yahweh. He is king with full sovereignty. And if we love him, we will have a heart to be in the place where his name was placed forever. His eyes and heart are continually there. The commandment to go to Jerusalem for the feast is not dependent on a temple being there. The temple was built for Yahweh to have a dwelling place, but he was already there on Mount Moriah before Abraham took Isaac for the binding. He was in that place now called Jerusalem when he planted the Garden of Eden eastward from it. He will be in Jerusalem forever. What a shame it is that he dwells in Jerusalem without a proper abode. The houses of Judah and Israel should be ashamed of themselves for using Jerusalem to fight each other. What home could be more important than our Elohims and our kings? What makes us think Yahweh will return us to our inheritance when we don't care enough for his home to return to it three times a year to mourn that he has no dwelling place and no throne from which he can rule the earth? Why don't we understand how crucial Jerusalem is to the rule of our king? His word can only go forth from Zion, and it only goes forth correctly when his throne is operational. His earthly throne is only operational when he has a temple. It is not enough that he has a throne in the heavenly realm. He desires to dwell among us and reign as king over us from his earthly throne. Our attendance in Jerusalem while there is no temple is our signal to him that we are ready for the Messiah's return and for him to take his proper place as king over us and all the earth. 
There is coming a time in the future when Yahweh's people will call Jerusalem his throne. Jeremiah 3.17 At that time they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord. And all the nations shall be gathered to it. To the name of the Lord to Jerusalem. Neither shall they walk any more after the imagination of their evil heart. Jerusalem was his throne. It is his throne now and will be his throne in the future. If this was true in the past and will be true in the future, then why do we reject Jerusalem in the present? The nations will be gathered to Jerusalem, the place of his name and his throne. Do we want to be placed among the nations who wait until the millennium to be gathered to Jerusalem? Or do we want to be called his people and gather in Jerusalem now as commanded? If we wait until the millennium to gather in Jerusalem, are we not saying that we are really Gentiles and not Hebrews after all? We in Hebrew roots must walk the narrow path between the two broad religious dogmas with the leaven of the rabbinic and Catholic Pharisees. We must maintain our ground and not give up an inch. Rather, we must begin to take our rightful place in the kingdom if we are to fulfill our role as kings and priests in the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek always ruled from Jerusalem. By refusing to go to the appointed feasts in Jerusalem, we are letting Yahweh know that we are not members of or interested in the order of Melchizedek. By conceding our right to obey Yahweh our king to feast in Jerusalem, we are submitting to nefarious, unrighteous authorities who only have authority because we submit to it. Whatever authority we submit to, will be the one that rules our lives. Let us then submit fully to the king and visit his torn down home three times a year until we get sick of it and decide to rebuild his home and throne room. Now, I have a special message to those who have converted to Judaism from Hebrew roots or Christianity. And to those who are considering it, Valerie Parham, who recently denied Yeshua to convert to Judaism, angrily demanded to see just one scripture that says Yeshua is the Messiah and that God's people need to believe in him to be saved. Just one she raged at me like the Pharisees raged at Yeshua. Valerie wrongly assumed that there are no such scriptures in the Tanakh, which is why she made this unreasonable demand. 
this former teacher of Yeshua pictures in the Torah said she repented of teaching that Yeshua is found in the Torah. Thus, she did not want to see proof that Yeshua is the Messiah and that he is God in the flesh. Jews and Jewish converts relish in their blindness. They wear it like a badge of honor, doing what Isaiah 5.20 says, calling that which is evil good and that which is good evil. They call their shame a good thing. They refuse to see. But there are plenty of scriptures that place salvation, Yeshua, and Lord, Yahweh, together when read in Hebrew. There is one particular scripture that Yeshua told the Pharisees would answer their raging demand that he prove who he is. Jonah 2.9 That says, But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have owed. Salvation is of the Lord. What it says there is, Yeshua la Yahweh. Yeshua of Yahweh. Can it be any plainer? Stay tuned. I'll be right back after these messages. Thank you for listening to the Jerusalem Report on Beast Watch News. Full news coverage with a Hebraic perspective of the headlines fulfilling Bible prophecy. Remember to financially and prayerfully support Beast Watch News for keeping you up to date. Send your donation to Beast Watch News today. It takes money to operate this ministry and your help is much appreciated. The English adds the words is of the to the translation because English requires more words to translate from Hebrew. But the Hebrew simply says Yeshua la Yahweh. The Lamed before Yahweh is simply of. The is an unneeded English word in this case. Reading it in Hebrew, it literally says Yeshua of Yahweh. Thank you to my friend Gilbert for this information. This rendering is the same in the Hebrew Tanakh translation on Kabad.org, which millions of Jews read. You'll have to see verse 10 in their version. Several times throughout the Tanakh, the name Yeshua appears next to Yahweh, like I've shown it here in this article. Many times, Yeshua and Yahweh, salvation and Lord, appear in the same sentence. Dozens of times, Yeshua and Yahweh appear in the same verse. The connection between Yeshua and Yahweh is unmistakable unless one rejects him on Jewish religious grounds. The book of Jonah was Yeshua's answer to the Pharisees because it does more than describe Yeshua's three days and nights in the tomb. 
Jonah clearly says Yeshua is Yahweh. The Pharisees of that time and the rabbis of today, modern Pharisees, do not want to hear that because it meant they were rejecting God himself. But then again, rejecting Yahweh and his word is no problem for religious people, is it? Converts or otherwise. Jonah 2.9 satisfies Valerie Parham's just one scripture demand. If we don't believe Yeshua is Yahweh, we won't know that he is the coming Messiah whom we must know personally in order to be saved from Solomon's false Messiah and Antichrist. The news that our dear friends in Aqaba had decided to deny Yeshua was devastating. My husband and I were on vacation when the announcement was made and we had no way to talk with them. It was not a surprise exactly. The night before traveling for Shavuot, Bob and Val Parham told us they were headed in this direction because of Jewish anti-missionary books they had received from Rivka Lambert Adler, a mutual friend from Maliadumim, Israel. Bob asked us to refute what Asher Norman said in 26 Reasons the Jews Don't Believe in Jesus upon our return. We asked them to not talk with anyone about their inclination until we returned from our vacation, as it was too late to cancel our plans without severe financial cost. He indicated they were only studying at that point, and they only intended to stop having Shabbat in their home until further notice. We were satisfied they would be silent about their studies until we returned. The day we arrived at our vacation destination, a week later, an email was in my inbox from someone in our Aqaba group who had discovered the group in a secret meeting discussing why Yeshua is not the Messiah in Isaiah 53 and using Asher Norman's book and other anti-missionary books to do it. Many from our Aqaba congregation were present at this meeting. The secrecy of the meeting upset the individual, but he was more upset when he was told by Bob the content and purpose of the meeting. They were already recruiting our people for conversion, and we still had three weeks of vacation left. We had no way to communicate with them electronically, by phone, or otherwise. Every option was blocked for various reasons. So, I wrote an article for our entire congregation so that everyone would plainly see the reasons we must not convert to Judaism. Word of the article got out and it was sent around the world by an angry member of our congregation. Hanok Young asked John Wyatt to send it and became incensed at its content. Now, I believe Yahweh wanted to have this private message to our fellowship be sent out. 
This 10-page article became the first and foundation of many future articles in Beastwatch News to explain why we are so near the end of days. The violations the Israeli Jews are perpetrating against the Torah and revealing the rabbinic conversion agenda and the worldwide Jewish conversion ring. By the time we returned from our vacation, eight of our congregation had decided to convert. We met with the congregation for Shabbat Midrash twice, attempting to refute the anti-missionary material, but Valerie and others constantly interrupted or poo-pooed everything we said. I told Bob and Val before we left for Jerusalem that I could easily refute every lie in the anti-missionary material. Refutation is so easy, but they insisted they couldn't find a way to refute the lies for themselves. Valerie accused me of sounding like Josh McDowell. I had written almost 20 chapters of notes for a book refuting everything while we were on vacation, not vacationing, because we were dealing with this devastation. But every time I spoke, their attitude was one of rejection. Valerie's accusation that I sounded like Josh McDowell was strange to me since I didn't know who he was. I had to search to find out. At our second Midrash, the next Shabbat, they made me, quote-unquote, answer for the article I had written that had angered all of them and Hanok Young and by then many others who called me anti-Semitic, doing the work of the devil and being a Jew-hater. Their attempt to shame me was unsuccessful. John Wyatt became so angry that he and Sue walked out of the meeting because they could not blow a hole in anything I said in the article. The result of that meeting was that my husband broke fellowship and friendship with all of them and we went home. But more importantly, one of the eight people repented for even considering denying Yeshua. The number of people denying Yeshua was then reduced to seven. Bob and Val broke their word to be silent about their decision until we returned. Valerie made the excuse that she actually had not talked to anyone in our congregation. Each one had come to her to talk, she said. But how did our people know to come to her? Well, she had left several different anti-missionary books lying conspicuously around their living room where we meet for Shabbat. Someone would see the books and ask to read them. In fact, this is how Valerie was exposed to the anti-missionary material. During a visit in Mali Adumim with Rivka Lambert-Adler, she saw 26 reasons why the Jews don't believe in Jesus lying on a table. She wanted to read it. Valerie says Rivka tried to talk her out of reading it the way Valerie would later say she tried to talk people out of reading the material. There is a two-fold method of enticement. First, 
have the material lying around to get interest. Then tell the interested person not to read it unless he wants to have his life changed. You know, gain the interest and then use the reverse psychology to trap him. Rivka had given me Let's Get Biblical by Tovia Singer during one of my visits at her home at Passover 2017. The book was not lying around. She had to go get it, hand it to me, and explain that it would help me understand Jewish rejection of Yeshua. I took the book when she handed it to me, but when I later began reading it, saw what it was, I continued to peruse it so I could be conversant about the book with Rivka and could refute Singer's deceit later. I still have Singer's two-volume set. While that set was in my Aqaba home, the back cover was destroyed. Per the Torah, I replaced the set with a new one and gave the new set to Rivka at Sukkot 2017 when I met with her. I am glad to have the destructive material so that I can quote Singer's lies exactly and refute them completely. Valerie would tell our interested congregants, as she had told us when I asked her to let me read Asher Norman's book so I could refute it, that the book would change their lives. I had told her, change mine. I had no intention of ever denying Yeshua. She just smirked. I did indeed receive and read several anti-missionary books from Bob and Val to take from Jerusalem to our vacation destination. But these same books destroyed our other people's faith in Yeshua and Val knew that would happen. It angered her that I could answer every lie the anti-missionaries tell about Yeshua and the New Testament. So she made a demand of me. Her angry demand was what I spoke of earlier, that I provide just one scripture in the Tanakh that says we must believe Yeshua is the Messiah. This is an unreasonable demand since she understood well that the New Testament writers relied on the numerous prophecies from the Tanakh to prove Yeshua's Messiahship. There isn't just one. Every scripture is about him. Something she taught through Yeshua pictures in the Old Testament. And now you know as might Valerie and Bob if they listen to this broadcast, which I doubt they will, that there really is one scripture that answers it all. I didn't know about the Jonah scriptures Hebrew language configuration at the time, or I would have used it. I doubt, however, it would have made a difference. Valerie was determined to become a Jew. The anti-missionaries destroy the New Testament by spending their time going prophecy by prophecy, teaching why each prophecy they find is not about Yeshua. They reject that the scriptures unfold like a scroll, progressive revelation, with new understanding as it unrolls. 
His name that they searched for in the Old Testament had no need to be given until it was time, yet there it is right there in the Old Testament. And disingenuous Valerie knew that. So do the anti-missionaries, whose agenda is to reject him and make sure that you do, too. We hope their blindness is not complete. I believe everyone will be able to repent, even of this, until the moment one takes the mark of the beast. Once that is done, the person will have married another, and Yeshua is not coming to die for them this time, but to judge. Please read the article attached. Understand that Yahweh's people have now entered the time of great deception and falling away, and that it has to do with the Jewish Messiah, Judaism's doctrine about the Messiah that comes through the line of Solomon. Please go back and review my former articles on this. Hang on to Yeshua at all costs and deny the Jewish Messiah vehemently. While you're at it, make every effort to get to Jerusalem for the feasts to fulfill Yahweh's command to not be silent until we make Jerusalem a praise in all the earth and to defy the Jews who want to keep us out. Avir harim zalul kiyai Barayakorani Nisa baruak harbai Imkol bamoni Uvtar demar Elan va'evel Shpuya b'chaloma Ha'ir asher b'dad yashevet Shuk vela 
Bible prophecy.